right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Hey guys, welcome to episode 275 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy. What? We had a great time in Dallas. Man, we, did we ever. And along the way, Memphis was fun. Yep. And then we obviously uh, got a couple days in Galveston where we got to meet uh, meet up with Jody and her awesome sons, Trent and Dylan, for yes, lunch. And then it was we got awesome. To, got to meet up the next day. With a couple of other friends, Tanya Bruce and Julianne. Yes, so, it was quite the adventure, and I had a blast. It was so good to see everybody. And for once, we had decent weather during oh all the trip. Oh my gosh, I know. We drove 2,000 miles. We did. <laughs> and it rained one time, I think, what? Leaving Galveston to go to Houston. Yeah, it wasn't long, though, but it was. it's just we had beautiful days the whole time, so we're very blessed. We'll talk about more of that later. Obviously, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thanks to all of you for everything you do to help and keep us safe. Amen. God bless you guys. Keep the prayers going to you, and and just thank you for protecting us. We love you guys so much. We also want to thank everybody out there who lends their support to us, because I know every week we talk about us trying to give our support to you. And the group giving you the support to you if you're going through some mental struggles. But the reality of it is you guys help us as much as we help you. Absolutely. So as we get all these messages for people thanking us for what we do, we want to take the time to thank you guys for how you help us. Amen. You guys help us more than you'll ever know. Yep. And we're just glad to be there for you as well. Yep. Just know that you've got support if you're going through some things either through us or through our group. Or, Tracy, what's uh, some of their options? Um, you can call the suicide hotline number at 1-800-273-8255. You can also text to 741-741. You guys are not alone. Please don't feel afraid to reach out because we're here for you. Yeah. Remember, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Amen. It's funny because I write that in every book that I sign. Mm -hmm. I mention it in the book. And when we were on our way somewhere along the way, I think to Dallas, there was a big billboard that just said, mm -hmm. it's okay not to be okay. And Tracy pointed out to yeah. me. So. It was like, oh, <laughs> so, it's out there. The help's out there for you guys. All right. So let's get into the story and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the trip and some fun stuff. First of all, you heard at the beginning, our new intro music. So... Mm -hmm. We we tested it out at the at the live event in Dallas, and people genuinely seemed to like it. Mm -hmm. I tested it out through some, uh, like, we've got nine admins in our group, and we have a private chat that we always talk about. So if somebody puts up an, a post, and we're iffy on whether it should be taken down, we just get everybody involved. Yeah. And uh, I put it up in there, and, and some of the people who didn't even like 
the first intro song because they, they're not in a rap. They actually like this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so far, I've not heard one negative. I was kind of nervous that people would be like, oh, I can't believe you're changing it. But, you know, it's it was time to refresh. And, and we worked on this song uh, about a month and a half. And I say we, it's mainly Tragic Times who did the song. But he kept sending me, you know, I told him what I wanted. I wanted something a little creepier, but still fun. And then we kept trying to work it out. And it was like, he'd send me something. I'd be like, can we go a little bit faster on it? And then we tried that a couple of times. And then finally he said, hey, I've got a, a whole new idea. Let's just blow it up and start over. Mm-hmm. And this is what he came up with. And I thought it actually worked. I thought it was the creepy, but at the same time it was fun. Yeah. And so, yeah, he knocked it out of the park. He did. He came through for us again. And he's actually got a podcast out. It's called P-O-D-V. So if you get a chance, check it out. It's it's a, kind of a motivational podcast. It's, it's him and some buddies that uh, grew up and, and just talking about, hey, this is how it was when we were young and some of the stupid stuff we did. And as we got older, we realized and we've all matured and grown up. And now we're trying to keep other people from making the right. same mistakes. Yeah, tune them in, guys. So check them out. All right. Let's get into the story. So I'm going to start off by saying that this was actually one of the hardest stories that I've ever had to research because of conflicting reports. Oh, okay. It was fascinating, but very confusing at times, mainly on when these events actually started. But I think I've got it figured out. And uh, so we're going to go with that. There was also some confusion on whether this was a haunting or a poltergeist situation. And this might sound like splitting hairs, but if you've listened to this show for any length of time, and unfortunately, I'm going to rehash it because there's going to be a lot of new people listening because it's Halloween time and a Mm -hmm. lot of people find us at that time. But there is a difference between a haunting and a poltergeist. And I'll breeze through it for people who had to sit through this every time we mention poltergeist. But a haunting is a spirit that, you know, some people will say ghost that was a living being at sometimes, maybe it was, you know, a grandparent or a parent, or maybe it was somebody who lived in that house for several years. And they think of this as, as their home still, even though, you know, you live in it now, or maybe it's uh, somebody who worked at a place like a bellhop or something that constantly shows up to help people with their bags, even though they've been dead for 50 years. Yeah. That's more of a haunting. That's dedication. That, that, that's is what that is. That's true. I don't know where they keep their tips. I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) But then you've got poltergeist. And poltergeist activity typically is more of uh, objects and stuff that move that is done mentally by someone who's unaware that they're even causing these disturbances. And in most cases, not in all, but in most, it's usually a prepubescent teen, 11, 12, 13 years old. And in even more cases, it's usually female. But what happens is... They've got so much going on emotionally, whether, you know, it be hormones or bodies changing or whatever the deal is. There's just so much going on. And in some cases, it's just like domestic problems going on. But it's just, you know, teenagers just have that, you know, situation anyway. And I told you that PMS, that P starts for poltergeist. (laughs) Right. But a lot of times these children are having so much going on that they are projecting out mentally and it's causing stuff to Mm -hmm. move or causing things to catch on fire or whatever the deal is. That's the difference between a poltergeist and a a haunting. You know, it makes so much sense now to think about it with PMS. 
<laughs> there we are. Because you feel like the devil when you're PMSing, for real. I wouldn't know. But I have well, had you're Cas- lucky. I have had White Castle cramps. Oh, God. I have too. We quite to quit buying those dang things. <laughs> Shoot. You'd be lucky you live in a place that has White Castles. Oh. Or you'd be like Harold and Kumar and have to go on some Please. long journey. I mean, I feel so blessed. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this about this story. This may be the only story that I've ever actually come across that may have a ghost and poltergeist activity. Ooh, at the same in time. The same time. Man, that's some skills there. So here's the confusion. Most articles on this story say that the activity started on September fifteenth of eighteen eighty nine. Now, I believe that this is accurate and I'm not gonna explain why at the end. So let's jump to that date, September 15th, 1889. We're in a small town in Quebec, Canada called Clarendar. And now if I'm pronouncing this wrong, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. When it comes to foreign countries and foreign cities, yeah. especially when you got Canada, when you got some French pronunciations. And, yeah, more country, so we don't know how right. it goes. And I did try to look it up and I got mm-hmm. three different pronunciations. Oh, you did? So I just went with one. Yeah. Okay. I've learned now to look up everything. If I'm iffy, I'll look it up. <laughs> Now, this is about seven miles from uh, the bigger city of Shawville. The story involves the Dagg family, and they were farmers. This family consisted of George. He was 35 years old. His wife, Susan. I didn't know her age. There are three children, Eliza, who was four, Mary, who was age three, and a newborn by the name of John. Now, they had also taken in a little girl from the UK named Dinah. Dinah was an orphan. Dinah. What's that remind me of? Dinah's Shore? Dinah's in the kitchen. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> well, she was at a farm, so she probably was in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Dinah's in the kitchen. I no, who's someone's. in the... I think someone's, someone's in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen with Dinah. It was the poltergeist. <laughs> it was a ghost. All those years, we finally figured it out. <laughs> so Dinah was an orphan. At this time, it was pretty common thing for the U.K., to send their orphans to farmers in Canada and Australia. This gave the children a home, but it also gave the farmers extra help. That makes sense. So Dinah's going to be a huge part of the story, but not just yet. So let's start with the morning of September 15th, 1889. You're probably thinking, oh, you already said that, but you didn't. So wish you weren't a liar. (laughs) Quit taking words out of my mouth, will you? (laughs) George had given Susan a $5 bill and a $2 bill. This sounds like one of those math questions. I didn't know they made $2 bills back then. I guess they did. So when well, we got... Well, this is Canada, too, so... Oh, well, that's true, because so when we got our $2 bills here in the U.S., that wasn't really nothing special, because they already did it back in the 1800s. True. Whatever. So they didn't have Elvis stamps like I did. <laughs> Susan placed this money in the drawer of a bureau that was next to the stove in the kitchen. The next day, a hired hand by the name of Dean, he brought the $5 bill to George and said that he found it on the floor by the stove. Mm-hmm. So George opened the drawer and he found that not only was that $5 bill missing, but the $2 bill was also missing. Now, me, I probably would have assumed, since this guy brought me the $5 bill, that it probably, somebody opened a drawer to pull something out. Maybe it's a drunk drawer and they had ketchup packets or... Taco Bell. They did not have that they back in the 1800s. They had Taco Bell packets, like we <laughs> wire cutters. Anyway, I would think somebody opened it up, 
grabbed something out and the money fell out with it. That would be my thought. Okay, but why would, if that was the case, why would Dean give back the $5 bill? Well, that's that's my whole point. So what happens is... So wait. he know, oh, but Hold on, Mabel. Sorry. He realizes that the $2 bill's still missing, so he automatically assumes somebody took it and they searched the entire house for it. The $2 bill shows up in Dean's bed oh. under his quilt. Of course, Dean swears he didn't do it, and they automatically assume that he took the money. Okay, but that, okay. But that's that's my point, too. Why would you why assume would you... he took the money when he gave back the bigger bill? Right. Why wouldn't you keep the bigger bill and give him $2 bill back? Yeah, he drew attention completely to the case. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise okay. he could have just kept it in a way with a new, but, but you draw attention to it See, and by then, you handing so, him the $5 yeah, bill. so automatically Dean's guilty. Right. Dean swore he had nothing to do with it. The following day, Susan Dagg gets up early. She starts her normal morning routine, which in this case would consist of cleaning the house as well as doing chores like making breakfast. Now, Susan was a God-fearing woman, and she kept a very spotless house. She lived by the motto that cleanliness is next to godliness. We've all heard that saying. Of course. So you can imagine her shock and awe when she walked into the living room. She was greeted with a strong smell of feces. Ew. She quickly noticed that that smell was coming from what she assumed was animal feces smeared all over her living room floor. So does she have pets in the house? No. Oh, well, how is she going to assume that? Well, first of all, this was an unacceptable offense for the time period. And I know you're probably thinking, hello, poop on the floor. It's not really an acceptable offense today. No, I mean, it wouldn't be. clean it up. But this was back at a time when that would have been close to a sin to a 19th century woman to have fecal matter in your house. Well, what if her husband or her had about a diarrhea and couldn't make it to the toilet and they just pooped on the floor? I don't know how many times you've had that happen where people just poop on the floor at your house. Have you not seen hoarders? The hoarders is different. Oh. All right. So the question is, what you asked, where did this poop come from? Why did she assume there was an animal that didn't have pets? Well, initially, guess who was blamed on? God, Ninja. Dean. <laughs> of course. Why would Dean poop in the floor? Well, he didn't poop in the floor, but his main job was working with the pigs on the farm. So this seemed like a logical assumption because Dean had been told in the past to take his shoes off before entering the house because on a few occasions he actually had not and had tracked in some feces into the house. Oh, that makes so sense. So this like, makes a little more sense than the, the money. With this being said, he had never made a mess like this, not like the one she was looking at now. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what it was. So Dean completely denied making the mess and he said that he had never even been in the house that day. Now, regardless of his denial, George Dagg had had enough. Between the money showing up in his bed and now the feces on the floor after after multiple warnings to take the shoes off, Dean was not only fired, but George took him to stand before the judge in Shawville to explain his side of the story. Surely you're not telling me he took him from the judge because he got poop on the floor. That and the money. Oh! <gasps> I mean, I'm telling you, that was a ma- that would have been a major deal back then. Where today it'd be like, that sucks, and I'll clean it up, 
and you just be ticked off. But back then, I mean, you might as well have shot somebody in that floor. Well, that is ridiculous. If you have a farm and you work on a farm, things like that will happen. Well. Why not just make Dean clean it up? I don't know. So here's the deal. While they were gone, standing before the judge, Susan Dagg found more poop. Poop that wasn't there earlier, so there was the proof that it could not have been Dean. See? That's what you get for jumping to conclusions. Now, this poop was actually in a closet, by the way. Oh, gosh. Why in the world was it in a closet? Just in case you were wondering. Because somebody was drunk and didn't know they couldn't get to the toilet, and they thought the closet was a toilet. I've seen people do that. I used to tell a story that... um, we used to have those floor registers and furnaces, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, so you walk across, it's like walking across a grate on the sidewalk, but mm-hmm. it was in your floor. And that's where the furnace heat came from. And my grandpa one time at Christmas got so drunk that he peed in it and put out the pilot light. <laughs> well, my ex-husband did that one time and he actually did. He peed in the pantry garbage can. He thought it was a bathroom. For Someone real. peed in the pantry with Diana. <laughs> and that was quite funny, actually. It's gross at the same time, but. All right, so regardless of what happened and who was to blame, Dean was gone. Now, over the next several days, strange things started happening around the farm. But why didn't they give Dean a second chance if they fi- figured it out? It well, wasn't they already him? had issues with him anyway, apparently. They already felt like he still stole the money, and he, he'd already tracked stuff in the floor before. I don't, I don't know. Maybe the guy really wasn't that good at his job to begin with. We don't really know the story. No, oh, okay. I was trying to help Dean out. Mr. and Miss Dagg were awoken in the middle of the night by a loud bang on the wall. Plates would be thrown around the kitchen by unseen hands. Rocks would come crashing through their windows from the outside during the daytime hours. Sounds like Ernest T. Bass to me. (laughs) Problem solved. The family assumed that the activity was Dean coming back to get revenge for being fired. This guy, I can't, he's not even there anymore. He's still getting blames. Yeah. Blames. (laughs) Blames. <laughs> well, there's multiple blame. <laughs> but every time there was an incident, George would grab some of his employees from the farm and they would go check the grounds. But no culprit was ever found and there was never a logical explanation for what had happened. All right, so this was the time period where spiritualism was all the rage. You had the Fox sisters and all this stuff. Everybody was really into spiritualism now. Now, Miss Dagg was a huge believer in it herself, and she felt that the farm was under attack by an evil entity. And why not? You know, because at this time, items were now being thrown against the wall from across the room. Dinah's hair was cut while she slept. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Multiple fires had spontaneously started, and several other windows had now been shattered. Now, what makes this entity different is that it spoke. And not just speak, it would literally have a conversation if you were brave enough to ask it questions. Ooh, was anybody brave enough? Of course. But the key here, though, was that it would only talk if Dinah was around. Hmm. Here's another freaky part. The entity would show itself to the children, but in various forms. For example... Sometimes it was a big black dog with red eyes. Scary. Other times it was a man with the head of a cow, but it had cloven hooves and horns. Hmm, That's that's, more like a bull. That's... (laughs) Last but not least, 
it showed up as an angelic type figure, but we're going to get more into that towards the end of the story. So let's learn more about Dinah. I told you she was going to be a huge part of the story. I also told you that she was an orphan. That was not completely accurate. Her mother had given her up, and her mom actually lived up until 1894 in Glasgow, Scotland. So Dinah came to live with the Dags in 1885, so she was around six or seven at the time, but her mom was still alive, so technically she wasn't an orphan at that time. Okay. But she later would become one anyway. She was 11 at the time these events started happening, so there was four years of her living with the Dags with no occurrences whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So now that you've got all these events that we've already spoken about you know, happening, we start getting other things happening, like a harmonica played on its own. Dang. A water jug, a butter tub, and a wash basin all flew across the room. And the fires, we talked about the fires. There was as many as eight fires started in the house on one day. I mean, how in the heck it didn't burn the house down? I don't know. And none of these have been connected to Dinah at this point. So family neighbors started to hear a deep, gruff voice that sounded like an old man. Mm-hmm. This happened inside the house and outside the house. Now, since so many people had experiences at the farm, the haunting started to garner some media attention. After about a month of this, Miss Dagg decided that she was going to send a letter to Canadian psychical researcher Percy Woodcock and begged for his help. Woodcock. That's funny. He responded immediately, which for back then was probably two or three weeks in my carrier pigeon. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it took it a while to get there. <laughs> Woodcock, and I'm probably going to say that a lot because it's fun and that's the only way I can compete with the guys from Ohio. Trying to get our ratings up. <laughs> I wish it was Woody Cock. That would be funnier. So Woodcock set up a laboratory as soon as he got to the farm and he started investigating immediately. He came to the conclusion that the family was not being attacked by an entity, but rather by psychic turbulence or better known as poltergeist activity. He believed that Dinah was a medium, but completely unaware of it. Oh, so she didn't have no clue. She had no clue. That's a double negative. Oh, no. Sorry. I wonder why people think we're hicks. (sighs) Anyways. By the way, I do know how to drive. That's all I'm saying about that. He didn't say you didn't know how to drive, that you shouldn't be allowed to drive. Well, And I'm 100% in his corner. He can suck my butt, so (laughs) there you go. I agree with him. You better shut your face. Shut your pie hole. Anyways, he believed that Dinah was a medium, right? So the term for being a medium and unaware of it is unconscious medium. So there actually is a term for for that. Therefore, she was unknowingly causing all this chaos. Woodcock and everybody else involved would soon learn that this case was way more complicated than they ever could have imagined. So at one point, Woodcock is testing Dinah. And she proved his suspicions were correct about her being a medium. But then she dropped a bombshell. She dropped a bomb on me. Babe. She told him 
that she had been in regular contact with an unpleasant entity that lived in the family shed. Oh my gosh. So Woodcock asked Dinah to take him to the shed. And there he got the scare of his life. Let's keep in mind, this is a man who researches paranormal activity. Oh, he and probably shouldn't be easily frightened off. Yeah. So he walks into this shed. He said it was clear that he was not alone. He could feel someone watching his every move. Maybe it was Sting. <laughs> You're dumb. He also felt an undeniable sense of dread. So Woodcock called out to the entity and was greeted with a gravelly laugh. <laughs> That's not really gravelly. It's creepy, but Uh-oh. let me change that. Greeted with a creepy laugh. <laughs> he demanded that the spirit tell him its name. The spirit growled and then said, I am the devil. If you oh. don't leave this place now, I will break your neck. Oh, I wonder how he said it. When he said, I'm the devil, bitch. <laughs> or did he say, what's up? I'm the devil, yo. I'm pretty sure neither one of those would have been how that went. Oh. But Woodcock was so What do you think he said? Hey, nice to meet you. I'm the devil. Oh, pleased to make your acquaintance, sir. Yeah. I am the Beelzebub. I shall be breaking your neck if you don't get up out of here. Okay. No. This is completely off the rails. <laughs> Woodcock was so shaken by the... I just thought of, that I put Woodcock and shaken in the same sentence. <laughs> Woodcock was so shaken <laughs> that he grabbed his equipment oh! <laughs> and immediately left the farm. How could he run grabbing his stop, equipment? <laughs> stop. After Percy Woodcock's visit, things escalated at the farm. Small fires started to break out all over the house. Thunderous bangs could be heard all hours of the day and the night. But then family and guests would have jugs of water thrown in their faces. Well, that's just rude. Maybe they're trying to put out the fires. Rude. On one occasion, a guest at the farm asked the spirit to tell him its name. Maybe they were doing the ice water challenge. <laughs> yeah? No? I can't imagine what these reviews are going to look like after this Aww. show. Aww. The spirit loudly said, I am the spirit of an 80-year-old man who died on this property 20 years ago. Aw. He was just hanging out, man. I do not approve of the Dag family. Dag. <laughs> so when asked to reveal its name, it whispered its name into the ear of George Dag. But then the spirit told George that if he ever told anyone, he would die a horrible death. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. George never told anyone what the spirit said into his ear that day. His name ain't that special. Soon after this incident, the children started to see a different version of the entity. It's what I spoke about earlier. Now, to this point, they'd only seen the cow man and the black dog. As the haunting was coming to a close, three months after it started, so three months of all this stuff, the entity showed itself to the children as an angelic figure. The children described it as a tall, beautiful man with long, flowing white hair. Nice. He was wearing a crown that was studded with white stars. He appeared this way to them, and he told them that he was leaving. The children said that he raised into the sky, 
singing church hymns. Oh, my goodness. And just like that, everything went back to normal. How lovely. Well, somewhat. Oh. Back to normal. So I told you that there were some discrepancies. Most of what I read said that the incident took its toll on the family. The family still blamed Dinah for everything that had happened. Some town's members felt that she was even a ventriloquist and felt that it was her voice and not that of a spirit that people were hearing. I don't know how she managed to play a harmonica by throwing her voice. I don't know. They don't they don't stray much from who they blame, do they? No. It was Dean and her. That's it. Eventually, the Dag sent Dinah to the Fairknown home in Brockville. Now, Fairknown was an orphanage. With that being said, what we do know is that the family and neighbors did believe that there actually was a haunting in the house. Even though they blamed her, they did think there was a haunting. And we know this because there was a document drawn up by George Dagg that stated all the events that we've discussed in this episode. It was then signed by 17 witnesses, and this was on November 17th of 1889. That's why I said I think the date that we had at the beginning was accurate, because that Mm -hmm. would have put it about the same time. These witnesses were farmers and community leaders, which consisted of local politicians and clergymen. Mm -hmm. 17 different people that should be pretty easy to believe that witnessed these accounts. Yeah, some of them are iffy, but go ahead. Okay, one last bit. So this is more confusion. So we said that the family sent Dinah to the orphanage, right? Yes. Well, Thomas Dagg, who is the son of George Dagg, he says differently. He says that a showman came to George's farm and wanted to adopt Dinah. When I hear showman, I automatically think, P.T. Barnum, Circus, that type of thing. Oh, okay. George refused to let this showman adopt Dinah. And shortly after that is when all the paranormal activity started. Oh, no. It started again? So, started, period. Not again. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I thought it kind of ended when... The ghosts or the heavenly ghosts? It did end, but George is telling the story about before. Yeah, okay. I mean, not George, but Thomas. Tom, yeah, okay, I gotcha. All right, so Thomas says this guy came, wanted to adopt her. George said no. And then shortly after is when all the paranormal activity started. So if that's the case, we don't know what was going on in the house. Maybe maybe Dinah was not happy in Mm -hmm. the house for whatever reason. And she wanted out, and she saw her way out when this guy wanted to adopt her. And then when they turned turned him down, maybe then things mentally for her went overboard and that's what started causing everything. Maybe she was really upset that she didn't get to leave this family for whatever reason. And uh, so like I said, I'm not gonna make accusations, but I mean, I don't know. She maybe she was there was some abuse going on of yeah. one way, shape or form. Or not, maybe she was like iffy about how they got all up in their arms about poop being in the floor. Well the poop hadn't been in the floor yet. Well, that's true. You're still jumping ahead. Uh, That's right. I am. Sorry. All right. So anyways, he says that's when the activity started. His cup was shortly after being refused this. Thomas said that the ghost never appeared unless Dinah was around. And that neighbors thought that the voice of the ghost was Dinah, which is also what we we had heard earlier. Mm -hmm. 
He then said that Dinah went to live with Uncle Willie Dag, which was George's brother. A man showed up at Uncle Willie's house with a note that was supposedly signed by George asking that Dinah come home. The man that brought the note left with Dinah and she nor the ghost was ever heard from again. Oh my gosh. So there's really crazy. I, I don't really, nothing I found showed me anything that showed that she was at the orphanage or that she was at Uncle Willie's and this guy took her. So I, I don't know what happened to Dinah after they sent her away one way or the other. Wow. My Dinah was in all kinds of trouble and stuff. She didn't even know it. You never know. Wow. That's a crazy story. All right. So we got a bunch of cool stuff to tell you about. All righty. So uh, let's take a really quick break from our sponsor. And then we'll be back to uh, tell you some cool stuff. All right, Tracy. So today, as this show comes out, we just completed our Bobby Mackey's episode. Mm-hmm. Or not episode, but the live event. Mm-hmm. It was such a blast. Thanks to everyone that showed up. Thank you guys so much. Hope yeah. you enjoyed yourself. It's always fun to go there, for sure. It definitely And is. there's always something different every time, I feel like. Like as a, an experience. Yeah. For me. And so, let's cover next year. Next year, we're not going to do as many live events. Mm-hmm. We're going to do some. I'm currently working on an Indianapolis event. And with... Uh, uh, Todd Hedges and and his his crew. Yes, which I'm is so middle-aged excited. And creeped out, and James Barnes with the tragedy. Of Yay! Cinema. Love those guys. Those guys live in Indianapolis, and they both um, basically asked us for advice and stuff before they started their podcast. And I thought it would be cool for to go to their hometown and just do something up there. Heck yeah, man! Then I'm working on a Louisville show. That hopefully, and and we're still working, it's in the early, early stages, but we're hoping to be us, Brohio, Shane Waters, and Justin Rimmel. Oh my gosh. All four of us in Louisville. The old team's back together. The old team. And that's the same group that'll be on the cruise. And oh my gosh, yes. So that'd be cool. And then I'm working on something in West Virginia at the uh, old hospital on College Hill. Yes, definitely want to check that out. Yeah, so we're working on that. And like I said, everything's in the early stages. But I set these shows up usually before November 1st mm-hmm. just to, you know, give people a, a chance. So even yeah. though we, we just finished the last one and we're already working on next year. Yeah, definitely. All right, Dallas, like I said, that was a lot of, lot of fun. We had a lot of fun out there. Memphis was amazing in the fact that... <laughs> We had, <laughs> we've never, out of all these shows we've done, they all, the, what happens, we do these shows on Eventbrite. That's where you go get your tickets. And you can actually go to Eventbrite and, and put in a city and find out what's going on. We have done probably 30 of these shows mm-hmm. over the last four years. And we've never had anybody show up that wasn't a listener to the show. That's right. The first three couples who showed up in Memphis all just happened to, Go to Eventbrite and saw there was something going on. They want to check it out. None of them had a clue who we were. Nope. That makes it very odd. It was wonderful. It was was very cool. Oh my gosh, they were so nice. But that was really cool. The people at Outlaws Barbecue in um, Grand Prairie couldn't have been nicer. Oh my gosh. No, they were amazing. They were understaffed like a lot of places are. But they did everything they They could. They sure did. And our our listeners that showed up, big thanks to Leslie Fear and her show because I want to know. It was fun to finally meet Leslie for the first time, and it was a blast. Ashley Hernandez came out, and and uh, we love Ashley. She came all the way from the Houston area, so it was about four hours for her. Mm-hmm. 
to come up. It was just a blast. Yeah. It really was. It was so much fun. And like Jerry said, we were so excited to meet Leslie and Brett. And, and then, you know. Brett brought us a cow skull. He did. That we have sitting on top of our podcast table now. Yep. It's looking right at me. One of the cool, it's one of the the most uh, unique gifts we've ever yep, had brought to us. Definitely, definitely. Um, we met Raphael and his two beautiful daughters. Yes, and was very happy to see them. And uh, I tell you, I yeah, don't know. Too many I just, people to even mention. I just well, what's her name? That um, she, da- Danielle. Danielle. Williams. Yep. She came, she she came, came from down Michigan. From Detroit. I mean, yeah. yeah, Michigan. Yeah, and and then we saw Tanya. She come on up to the show as well, and. It was just, it was amazing. I mean, there's just so many good people that we met, and we just couldn't be more blessed. Yep, absolutely. So if we didn't mention your name, sorry, there was a bunch. But um, I know Kimberly, Susan, uh, there's a bunch of bunch of people showed up. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. So, all right. Tracy, what do you got for us over there? All right, with our iTunes, um, RCZAS, Midwest Koala. Sea Siren 11. Uh, I wanted to say something to him. He left us a review, which was, it was confusing. Confusing. I mean, it was a four star. It was good and everything. But the point I'm trying to make is he had said something about the reviews got deleted or something. Yeah. The, it started off with my previous review has been deleted. But and, didn't and you I've say heard some others? But we have no way of deleting iTunes reviews. We have nothing to do with that. No, we don't. But don't you say if somebody leaves a review, then if they leave another review, if that one goes leave, away. They only allow you to leave one review. So if you leave a second review, it replaces your last. Okay. One. So I just wanted him to know that or her, whichever it is. Yeah. Know. So that that could be the case there. I'm not sure. But trust me, we don't delete yeah. any reviews. Yeah. We if we could, we wouldn't have the, any bad ones up there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to let them know that you know please believe that we did not do that um jason b 007 and mojo lobster you guys we love you all so much for your reviews and they were awesome they were awesome reviews it just it fills our heart and we just thank you for taking the time out of your day to do that it means a lot and we thought we were going to get to meet mojo lobster in person at the bobby Mackey show but he had a, a situation come up and wasn't able to make it dang it so. He's going to be a mystery. <laughs> I don't think he exists. I don't think he does either. No. <laughs> um, our Patreons this week, we had Tracy Tommel. I don't know if I said that right, Tracy, but good first name. Shawnee and Matt. Amy Francis. Robbie Heller. And Simone Patton. Thank you guys for your support on Patreon. It means a lot to us. And we appreciate everything you all do for us. On Thursday... The fourth annual Hillbilly Horror Stories Halloween episode will be released. Yes, I'm so excited about that. A couple days early. 18 different podcasts represented. It's about a three-hour show. Just under three Isn't that great? Thank you guys uh, for coming through. Yeah, we've got some regulars on there, and then we've got a bunch of new shows Mm -hmm. to try to mix it up a little bit. But I know, uh, like I said, Tragedy Cinema is back, and then we've got... uh, uh, a couple of big ones that hadn't been on before. Jim Harold. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about Jim. Derek Hayes from Monsters of yes. Monsters sent us something. We got uh, David Flora from Blurry Photos sent. Like I said, that's just a couple of the shows that are out there. But uh, yeah, there's a bunch of new shows that you can 
check out this year with some of some of the old regulars on there. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoy it. So, all right, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate everything you do, and we'll talk to you next week. Y'all have a blessed week. Love you.